that we're back with another NBA preview. Preseason kicks off on Saturday, less than two weeks away until the proper season. So the countdown is well and truly on. Today, we're going to look at the Mavericks and I'm joined by none other than Dallas diehard Darcy Emery. A lot of D's in there. So Darcy, thanks very much for taking the time out to come on the pod. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, the Mavericks have a lot of buzz and hype, um, which isn't unexpected just due to how you guys performed in the bubble, especially stealing two games from the Clippers. KP went down. Luca was battling that um, rolled ankle, so he was kind of playing on one leg. And you guys managed to steal a couple from them, which leads us into this season. Now, before we jump into that, we'll quickly look at the off-season. Now, you guys were pretty active in the trade market, making a couple of deals. You were, let's say, expectedly quiet in free agency just due to the fact that you're obviously preserving cap space for a certain guy in Milwaukee if he becomes available next summer. And in the draft, you had a late teens pick in the first round and you also had an early second rounder that you, um, that you utilize with that selection. Now, how do you assess the Mavs offseason? Well, yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of expectation on the team. I think we're, um, that's where you want to be. I think in a lot of ways, we've kind of been on that peripheral ever since Dirk finished. They're not really a contending team. And I think we're trying to thrust ourselves right into it right now. I think I really enjoyed some of the moves our team has made. And when you think about how we're able to basically steal Doncic in the draft only a couple of years ago, trading away Trey Young and a pick that turned out to be DeAndre Hunter. I think I'd take Lugo over those two guys personally. So I think our our staff's done a really, really good job. Um, I was, I was a bit kind of unsure about um, Josh Green as a prospect, but um, I always kind of thought he he was going to definitely get picked as a kind of a late lottery guy. And Mm. I think um, I'm starting to understand how he could really fit in our team quite well. And I think, Buying low on Josh Richardson was a massive get as well. I think his defensive prowess, I guess he didn't show anything of what he could be in Philly. I think it was all a bit of a disaster there. It's one of those situations where moving to a new team might just make him instantly a better player because he was in a bad situation. But um, And every, everyone who I've spoken to about Tyrell Terry absolutely loves him and think he could be a, a good player. I, I like his stroke and I think that he's a, a multi-skill kind of player. So I think um, picking up all those guys in the offseason was pretty sweet. But I think my my favourite move of the offseason, I think it's definitely a low-key move. I'm not sure if people even remember that this guy's in the league, but um, James Johnson was a guy that we picked up. He, um, no way. I've was, got him as well. Yeah. Yeah, you like him? Yeah. I think um, he, I didn't realise he's played 11 years in the league and yeah. obviously plays best ball in Miami. And um, I actually just read today that he was cleared for five-on-five activities. And I think he could really break into the rotation pretty quickly. Like, he's a six-seven guy, 109 kilos, and he's definitely one of the toughest guys in the league. Like, I just love his fit with... I think as a team, the Mavs definitely need to improve defensively. I think that's a massive focus for them. Getting a guy like him to pair with guys like Richardson and Green, who are good on the wing, guarding other teams' best guards being disruptive and getting deflections, I think James Johnson can give us like a toughness that we haven't had, you know, especially we didn't have last season. He give us a veteran presence and someone really physical that can like match up to the strongest guys in the Western Conference. Like we talk about LeBron's and the ADs and, 
and the Jokic's, you know, like you need someone who's a tough body who can really go at it. And I think one big thing that stands in my mind is in the Clippers series when Doncic had that rolled ankle and when Morris stepped on his ankle, kind of there wasn't that guy who was willing to step in and almost like basically fight Marcus Morris and say, we're not going to be pushed around like this. Like there's, we've kind of missed that edge, I suppose. And I think this is a big move getting James Johnson. I think he's the kind of guy who can really put fear in other teams' minds. And I think he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife as well. Like, shoots 47% for his career. He made a three last year per game on 36% shooting, a steal and a block. Like, he's the type of guy I reckon could play in late game situations and give us that toughness. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's very funny you mentioned James Johnson. I had him down in my notes as the favourite move as well because there's such an appealing aspect, him being on this roster, as you mentioned, just with his toughness. I mean, the fact that he's also just a versatile offensive player. You can easily go small ball. Um, if you wanted to push Maxi Kleber at the five, you can put James Johnson at the four. I think he will be an important piece to start the season, obviously with, with no KP and Dwight Powell coming back from injury. Um, but we, we can get to that a bit later, but I think the, where we'll really see his value is in the postseason, And that's due to You're just right. the fact, as you said, his experience, he's a veteran presence, his toughness. He's another just hard nosed guy that you can throw at all the names you mentioned. Plus if they're even there, which I assume they will be a um, Kawhi Paul George, for a sort of rematch um, of, of last year's series. So definitely a lot to like. Um, mentioned that Tyrell Terry, many people were saying he's sort of a Seth Curry light, um, Seth Curry 2.0. So it's, it's just shrewd business by Dallas to definitely get an underappreciated asset in Josh Richardson and then potentially get the next Seth Curry. Um, yeah, credit, credit to the Mavs. They've done it again. Now, just being a Sixers fan myself, Josh Richardson, there's absolutely no reason he can't go back to um, the guy he was in Miami because, as you say, it was a disaster with us. Um, he was sort of forced into, at times, being a perimeter scorer just due to the fact that Simmons, that's that's not his game. Um, and so now that he can go to Dallas, the focus is on Luca. He just needs to hit perimeter shots. He can then take the best um, perimeter guy from the other team Everything is looking very rosy in Dallas. Um, and so then I guess to kind of bring the negative into it, to go into sort of the injury dilemma, the only real question mark is obviously KP's leg injury. Um, the fact that Dwight Powell is coming back from an Achilles. Um, we know Luca's history with ankles. Um, he missed games during the regular season. I believe it was a period in potentially November, December, last year before um, they they obviously stopped the season. But even when that happened, I'm pretty sure Dallas went on a run there as KP sort of took over. I remember they went into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks. Um, mm-hmm. They smashed Philly at home. Yeah. Um, who I think they also went into Toronto, nearly beat Toronto. Toronto went on a crazy third, fourth quarter run and came back to sort of steal that game. But that was in Dallas's control for, you know, at least a half, three quarters of that. So even with all those sort of concerns, Dallas is still a strong enough team to be able to overcome all those injuries, which goes to prove um, just how well thought out their roster is. Now, just with the KP injury, it's he's meant to be back 
I think it's early to mid-January if things are on, on track and on schedule. Um, Dwight Powell is a guy who relied on his athleticism and, and sort of speed to beat his matchup. Um, definitely a guy that rolled hard to the rim off the pick and roll. So with those sort of two question marks, who do you think um, needs to step up, obviously, to start that season? It's a good point. I think like, I, I'm not as concerned about Chris Depp's injuries, I guess, a lot of other people are, at least this specific injury. Like, yeah. so it's always a lingering thing with him, you know, and the fact that he's on track to return in January, I guess, is optimistic. Like, if it's not till the end of January, we're only talking like four or five weeks of basketball without him. And I think if there's one guy who can carry an offensive load, you know, it's Luca. If Luca has to put up an extra few amount of shots, I'm not necessarily that concerned about that. I think, um, but picking up the slack, like at the center position, I think it's definitely going to be collective effort. And you talked about the depth that Dallas have pretty much at every position. We're really We've really got solid depth, I think. And we rely on multiple guys to give us a few points here and there every time they come in the game. I think um, in the front line, I like some of the stuff that Kleber did. Uh, he had some awesome moments on defense and shooting the ball in the bubble. He, um, I really like his game. You know, you can tell he's out of Würzburg, Germany, because the guy can shoot the ball like hundred yeah. percent. And um, like you said, I think James Johnson and even Dwight Powell—they're also quite capable three-point shooters. Yeah. You know, and um, one thing that's basically happened with all of our players last year playing with Luca is they got some really open looks, like uncontested three-point shots. If they can get anywhere near 40%, like James Johnson and Dwight Powell from three, then I think that's going to help us scoring the ball a lot well to cover up some of what KP does every game. I think um, hearing that Powell is like 100% ready to go is, is, is great news. Like I guess the extended layoff with the bubble and whatever has given him time to come off that Achilles. Obviously, he relies a lot on his athleticism, but he's probably always been in peak physical condition. Like he looks like a bit of an Adonis, basically. Yeah. How? And I think his his the part of his game that's huge for the Mavs, I reckon, is his pick and roll as a lob threat. Like he can play above the rim. He was amazing with it with JJ Barea, and obviously with Doncic, who's a great lob passer. I think that's critical to our offensive balance, like being able to score at the rim as well as shooting threes. I think um, with KP out, there's actually a massive opportunity for Willie Cauley-Stein. Yep. I think with KP in the lineup, there's not really a lot of minutes for Cauley-Stein. But with him out, I think Cauley-Stein for me was a pretty disappointing in Golden State. I thought he could have been that kind of lob threat and that guy to, sh to block shots. But I think he's got another opportunity, golden opportunity on a great team or like a strong team right now. And I expect him to come out of the season at the beginning, the start of the season with, you know, opportunity to grab that kind of starting spot. Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity for him. And I guess the final thing with replacing KP would be extra minutes for Boban, which is always good. Because yeah. I think every time he's on the floor, if he can get 15 to 20 minutes a game, you're talking a double-double. Like, there's no one in the league that can guard him. He's probably only good for 20 minutes, but those 20 minutes will be productive. No, it's it's funny the Boban thing. Everyone loves to make fun of his hide and and all that stuff. But you actually look at his numbers. You actually watch him closely. His productivity. The the guy can play. There's there's no doubt about that. He's not just in there for for comedic value. That's for sure. Um, 
for me, I, I, I second the Kleber. I think he's criminally underrated. Um, definitely a guy that spaces the floor on offense. He then runs the floor hard. He's going to be a guy that's similar to power, can roll hard to the rim. He's going to be a lob threat. I think then on defense, he's also a guy that's got super active hands. I mean, I, I felt like I watched mm. quite a fair bit of, of Dallas in the bubble and the amount of times you'd come away with steals, the amount of times he'd actually which I didn't know he had, uh, just a really strong ability to protect the rim. He was actually a phenomenal shot blocker. Um, his timing mm. is, is pretty excellent and he's disciplined uh, when defending the post. He doesn't normally give away silly fouls. Um, and he just, I think similar to a few other European players in the past, he just brings a level of grit. So just looking at this sort of Mavericks roster and how deep you guys go, is it accurate that, a starting lineup would be something along the lines of a Doncic, Jay Rich. I had Finney Smith at the three and then Kleber at the four and Willie Cauley Stein at the five. What, what are your thoughts regarding that? I, I think that's a pretty good lineup. I think um, I, I've always liked what, um, what Dodo brings to the team. I think you need someone who's going to match up against the other team's wings. Like it's, and he is a, he is a good three-point shooter. I think, you know, he's a guy who's shown at times he can play long minutes, long stretches, lots of defense and really be a positive for your team. I think, um, I think there's one thing that's quite unique about Doncic is, you know, he plays a point guard spot, but his size and his rebounding make him almost a small forward. Like he is huge. You know, he dominates the defensive glass. So I think, in a team where we, we continue to prioritise shooting, which are a great three-point shooting team, I think you can't really at this stage have a starting lineup without Hardaway Jr. So I think it'll be Doncic with Hardaway. And I think Jay Rich will still get the start. And then it might um, be a situation of, I think Powell, if he's ready to go, will get the start as well. But um, if not, then it might be Finney Smith at the four. And then I think Cauley Stein will get that first look at the centre position because you know how stable Kleber is off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. No, Hardaway was definitely a guy that I had him in the second unit, but when looking at it, I was like, oh, it's probably not enough shooting um, just due to already having Cooley Stein out there. Um, but yeah, that sort of takes us as the second unit. I think Brunson's the most important guy for that second unit. Uh, I think he'll be the first guy off the bench uh, mm. if Hardaway is in that starting lineup. But um there is another ability here where it's, it just goes to show again further to the depth and how well Dallas have nailed that with Luca not on the mm. floor, um, which to start the season and I think throughout the season won't be very often, but yeah. a guy like Brunson, who's as reliable as they come, uh, has the experience. He's already 24. So he did obviously play quite a few years in Villanova and Guy that can then also play next to Luca, which is just as important. But he can run a team. He can take control himself. He's shown an ability to create off the dribble, uh, hit pull-up shots. He can operate in the pick and roll quite comfortably. And even though he's 6'1", he's kind of in that Kyle Lowry mold. Just very tough, hard to move off the block. Um, and I actually have him as a dark horse six man of the year. I think he could potentially make a lot of noise. I think the fact that Schroeder and Harrell are on the Lakers, they kind of rule themselves out. So I think the only real guy to worry about potentially in that race is, is Lou Williams. If he has a bounce back, that's sort of the name that comes to mind. Um, but I think Brunson has a real shot at that six man of the year. How, how do you feel about Jalen this season? 
I think that's a good point. I think it could have kind of got lost how we missed him in the bubble. I suppose um, he is a very smart player. He's well smart. Like you said, he played a bunch of years at college and you could tell that he was national player of the year in college. The guy like, playing the post, even as a guard. And he developed his shooting from the three-point line last year. Like you said, he can actually play-make situation where Luca's at the shooting guard. It's quite, it's really good for our team. It makes the versatility even better. I think um, I get in trouble with this often with the Mavs. I like all of their guys. And Carlisle is very heavy on point guards, playmaking point guards. And I really like and have always liked Trey Burke. I think even since his days at Michigan, it didn't work out when he got drafted to um, Utah. But I think the way he played in the bubble and just his natural speed. Like, he was able to beat guys off the dribble all the time and he's confident in his pull-up game. And he may be not as good a facilitator, but he can still make assists as well. So, I think it'll be a really interesting fight between those two. And I think that could play into Brunson potentially, I don't know, maybe being a a little bit discouraged about how much court time he gets. But that our backup point guard duo is really, really solid. And I think that our bench will be able to produce points for sure, I think, with those two leading the way. I think, um, well, I also like what um, what Carlisle does. He mixes up the rotations often, you know, like um, I think Burke will get a chance to start and I definitely think Brunson will. When you hear Carlisle talk about Brunson, he raves about him. And even in his rookie year, he was like, we're going to need him to play big minutes. And I expect that again, especially as we get into playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. Totally agree. Another uh, ex-Philly guy, so to speak, just obviously didn't work with us. It seems like with some sort of, with some sort of cancer um, and then go to a system <laughs> like the Mavericks and just thrive. So look at Hertz um, as a Sixers fan, there's six or seven guys at least on Dallas's roster that I'd love to snag. Um, but anyway, not to be how you think the Mavs will go this season in terms of season wins. What seeding do you think you guys will get? And then how far do you think you'll go in the playoffs? Yeah. Getting to the fun stuff, getting to the stuff that really matters. I don't, um, I don't read in too much to the um, to the amount of wins that we get. As long as we make the playoffs, at least, it felt like, thank God we made the playoffs last year. It felt like forever since we made it. After we had so many good years in a row of making it in the Dirk dynasty. Like. But um, I think we're really well positioned to win win the division with um, Houston yeah. probably being the only big threat. And you, who knows what on earth is going on there. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of wins, I, I think we're looking at a range of between 42 and 46. I think barring a significant Luca injury, I think we're a home court playoff team. And I think okay. probably at worst, we think about like a five seed. And I genuinely believe if things start to click right from the jump, I think that we've got a shot at the second seed in the Western Conference. Huge. Um, how about how about for the playoffs? Where, where do you think you can go in that? I think... Um, I think in the playoffs, it, it depends a lot on matchups. I yeah, think um, a, te- a, te- a team that would be really difficult to match up with, obviously I think every team in the West has this problem trying to match up with the Lakers and their physicality in the front court. Like if you've got to put an outstanding physical defender on Davis, then who's going to take LeBron? If he's playing at his highest level, it's really, really tough. I think um, our depth is one of our biggest strengths, as we already talked about, like... I feel like we have to get points from all kinds of guys to go deep in the playoffs. So I'm expecting guys like Josh Richardson and Dwight Powell, Burke, Finney Smith, and then even Cleveland and Brunson to get close to 10 points per game. 
And I think um, it's important that we get that kind of spread. And if we do kind of click, and I think that's what happened last year, is people kind of rode on the coattail of Luca is getting it done every game. If we just chip in our little bit, then we're going to get over 100 points a game. And if we can stop the ball a little bit, then we're going to we're going to be able to beat any team on any night. And some of those victories against the Clippers in the playoffs, like, they weren't flukes, you know. Like, we were playing at a high level and guys were gelling. So, I think if we can continue that chemistry, then there's no reason why we can't be one of the very best teams in the West. I have you guys for 43 wins. Um, so, as you say, in that 42 to 46 range, I think you guys will actually finish off with the sixth seed. Um, now, depending on who the top four is, not exactly sure, but I think in some order it'll be Lakers, Clippers, Denver. Um, I have Portland pushing for the four seed. Mm. I think Phoenix will finish the fifth seed. And then I think it's you guys that come in there at the sixth seed. Every chance you guys obviously gel from the start, as you mentioned, and things click and, you know, sky's the limit. And I think there's a real chance to um, finish off at the second seed there. I don't think anyone can jump the Lakers. Even if AD misses games, LeBron rests to start the season, the additions of Schroeder and Harrell are just too much in terms of the fact that they can come in and, and definitely win the Lakers plenty of games throughout the regular season. Um, but I, I think you guys, no matter if you finish in the sixth seed, I actually think you guys can get to the Western conference finals. Um, firmly believe that KP is a truly dominant big man. All the question marks are just around health. Um, performance hasn't been an issue um, since definitely coming to Dallas you can question whether certain nights he took off in the Knicks or the dilemma that he had there with wanting to leave. But the overall roster, the coaching, you, you can't rule them out of, of making the conference finals. I think that would be silly to make a move like that. Um, mm. So, yeah, look, sky's the limit. I'm, I'm fully on board and I'm not the biggest Mavericks fan, but I can just see everything's trending in the right way. Who do you think will be the best player outside of Luca and KP? Who do you think will be that third guy that quite consistently the Mavs can just um, go to or even just a guy that the Mavs fans can clearly see is, you know, that, that third guy outside of Luca and KP. Uh, I th- that's a good question. I think a lot of the, all the teams basically looking for that third, that second or that third superstar guy, like that guy can really dominate. And I think that's why people expect a lot of things out of the Clippers last year. And obviously yeah. Denver have a great one, two punch. Now they've lost Rami Grant. So what are they going to do? A lot of people are bullish on Phoenix now that they picked up CP3 to go along with Aiton and obviously Booker. So, like, when you just rattle off those names in the Western Conference, like, those teams are deep and those teams are tough. And then when I was looking over at the conference standings from last year, there was six teams that finished on 44 wins, basically. So, it's an extremely tight, tight race in the Western Conference. And um, this for me, the third option for for Dallas, it's it's got to be Hardaway Jr., if he can add a little bit more kind of penetration and playmaking to his game, some finishing at the rim and get to the free throw line a little bit more to add that with his elite three point shooting, like that'd really help us a lot. You know, like I loved how he responded last season when I think a month into the season, Carlisle tried some different lineups, moved him to the bench. And then he kind of took that real personally and um, he balled out and he shut that down real quick and, came out with career best production and he showed that, you know, I'm the best shooting guard on this roster. And if he can, um, if he can improve, if, if he can improve as a defender this season and really start to hold his own on that end of the floor, I think he's clearly our third option. I think um, 
when you talk about a team like the Mavs and the way that we operate with our roster, we are always looking to make moves. And that's one thing I love about the franchise in general is we're always looking to improve. We're never going to be static in what we're doing. So he's got quite a large contract and it's quite movable, especially if he starts to play great ball. So if he starts to look like a third option, especially out the gate, I wouldn't be surprised if we start fielding offers, try to look for that third option to bring in another star to pair with KP and Luca. Yeah, no, very, very good point you make. Um, for me, just to go, I had Brunson, but I'll go someone different. I, I truly believe it'll be uh, Josh Richardson. Um, just the fact, if you go back to those Miami teams, especially the two years mm. he was there, um, significant amount of offensive loafs actually put on him. Uh, there wasn't the emergence then. They hadn't drafted Bam by that stage. A lot of, um, I suppose, the the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron, as soon as that sort of departed, Bosh was obviously dealing with his injuries. Um, was it Wade went to Chicago potentially that year? He might have gone back to the Bulls. So Miami were quite depleted. They were looking to go in a new direction. And Josh Richardson being a second-round pick yeah. out of Tennessee, he just came in and really surprised everyone. So his three-point shooting completely dropped off with Philly. Um which mm. of course, like everyone, they come to Philly, the three point shooting is less than 30%. But with Josh Richardson now in this Dallas system, I expect him to be high thirties, if not early forties, just due to the fact mm. that we open looks on top of that. I think there'll be such an appreciation for his ability to pick up the best perimeter guard on the opposing team. That'll take uh, just so much strain off uh, Dallas's probably need in the past to go, look, we've probably got to outscore this team to be able to get past him because we just don't have the defensive prowess uh, to be able to slow opposition mm. offenses down and star players. But that's totally different this year. Um, so I don't think there'll be a true need for Dallas to get in the you know, high 130s, high 120s uh, shootout type games this year, which makes things a lot easier. Um, it doesn't then mean that you know, Doncic needs to go berserk. I still think he will and get his numbers. But the fact that you can then, I think now actually start to rely on your defense a little bit more than you ever could in the past, suddenly uh, definitely takes the pressure off the offensive load, definitely puts the team in a position to, you know, have their style of play translate to the postseason much better than um, past seasons. So give me Josh Richardson uh, for your guys' third best player. Wouldn't surprise me if he averaged somewhere in the mid-teens, around 15 points, um, yeah. picked up a couple steals a game. Could even be as, as go as far as be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Uh, believe it in that much. Um, or at least all very gutted. Yeah. yeah, it was very gutted. It didn't work out um, with us. But just to quickly go on that, Love the trade for us. We obviously needed Seth Curry. I think it was a perfect trade between Dallas and Philly. Uh, clearly f filled some needs for both sides. Um, yeah. So no, it would like be it. definitely an interesting matchup between Philly and the six. Sorry, Philly and Dallas. I hope it's when KP's healthy because I'm not sure if we've got mm. you guys on the schedule for those first 30 games that were released. But Doncic against Simmons, KP against Embiid, Josh Richardson against Seth Curry. Um, there's there's a lot to like there um, in, in just in that matchup in particular. So um, we'll definitely have to get together for that matchup if that takes place, Doss. 
Yeah, let's do it 100%. Man, I, I love Curry as well. It was hard to see him go. Yeah. It really was. We're buying low on Richardson there, but I think Curry, you're selling about as high as you possibly could. I was outstanding last year, like ridiculous. Yeah. He's about as wet as it can get for the Bruiner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What is he, mid-40s from three? 44, 45%. So that's Better ridiculous. Than his brother when he worked at percentages. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about your, your two picks from the draft there in, in Green and Tyrell Terry? I think um, I think Carlisle, he's still quite old school. He's not as old school as maybe um, Popovich when he basically buries his rookies down on the bench. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but I, think, um, I think he understands guys who can score the ball and guys who can play make. And I think that's one thing that stands out to me about Tyrell Terry is that guy can really shoot the ball and he has a nice smooth game. I, I can see him slotting into our kind of point guard, combo guard situation very quickly. I think um, Kyle already talked about the three and D prowess of Green. And I think that's basically all you got to see out of Green if you saw college as on the wing. And when he's open, he can shoot threes and he's an athlete. So I think um, those guys will definitely get time in roles, I think, um, because of the high expectations and obviously kind of the developing depth of our squad. I think their probably opportunities will be quite limited unless there's an injury. Um, but when those injuries does come up, they'll probably be thrown potentially even straight into the starting lineup if there's enough injury cloud going on. So um, I, ex- I expect him to go deeper into the bench as much as he can, especially for up getting into leads early in the game. I, I think that those guys will get into it. And I think the additions just fit quite well. I think they kind of fit the way that we're doing. They're offensively-minded players. Um, Green with a little bit more defensive upside. And I think it'll be interesting to see how much Carlisle switches up the lineups to give us a real defensive look. Because we talked about James Johnson. We talked about Jay Rich, how those two could play together. And then if we put in another defensive-minded shooting guard, then, um, yeah, it's it's a real defensive lineup. And then the prowess of KP defending the rim and kind of making up for mistakes on the perimeter makes us potentially a team who could really lock guys down. Didn't really see much of that at all last season, but um, I th- it gives us a whole nother look. And I think those additions will, yeah, they'll give us a chance to play a little bit differently, especially on the defensive end, which is exciting. And I think it's, yeah, it's a good chance for growth. Okay, quick break to say you'll hear a static noise from my mic annoyingly in the next minute or two. I tried to reduce the impact it was having and even deleted my audio in certain parts. But Darcy here gives out a good Josh Green story from when he was playing ball at Kings. So you will hear a little bit of static from my end. Then following that, I cut my audio. So please note that it goes straight from the Josh Green story into Darcy giving out his Mavs hot take. But then the audio from from my end is normal after that. So back to the pod. Scott's in year seven. I had a I had a game against when we played up against Kings when Josh was in year seven. And I was coaching the A's and we basically won every game. And we went up to play against them in the warm-up. He was getting real close to the rim on everything, basically dunking it. And I was going, oh, man, who are we going to put on this guy? He torched us for about 25, handed us the biggest loss of the season. And then a few years later, he's getting picked for the Mavericks. So i got to get behind him. But a hot take from mine is that Mark Cuban, the owner, he, um, I reckon he's the most beloved owner in the league by his players. I don't know if you saw today, but... Um, an absolute fan favorite, JJ Breyer, awesome, yeah, awesome yeah. locker room guy, veteran for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. He's always boasting a three to one assist to turnover ratio. Shot one of the career best, thirty eight percent from three last year. An integral part of our championship team. Yeah, yeah. absolutely integral. 
and Cuban, he took care of him in this offseason. One year, 2.6 million, guaranteed deal. And it's just a big thank you for 11 years with the Mavs. And uh, Cuban knew he was going to get released and he knew he wasn't going to make the roster. But to give him that money and to basically set him up to potentially be picked up by another team next season, I really hope he finds a team. And I think the, like it's a respectful and a classy move from Cuban. I think players on opposing teams will see stuff like this and they'll know like it, you're a priority when you're on the Mavs roster and you can't say that Cuban's cheap at all. So I suppose hot take is that the Mavericks is where you want to be if you're a, you're a player looking out for your own interests. It was Dallas-Denver that was going on back in March and the sort of whole coronavirus situation was unfolding. Games were being cancelled. Pelicans were playing Sacramento, I believe, when they got called off after warm-ups. And this was all transpiring while it was entering the fourth quarter of that Dallas-Denver game. Cuban was mm-hmm. being asked for interviews. Everything he handled was just first class then straight away, I believe it was in the post-game press conference, he was the first one to take a stand on the fact that staff would still be getting paid. He would ensure that all of those people there behind the scenes, not even players, just operational staff, anyone that has anything to do with the Mavericks lineup were you know, still guaranteed a job and some form of payment, obviously being able to foresee that there was going to be a shutdown. And you compare that to uh, in Philly. I know our owners in particular were very hesitant to pull the trigger on um, paying out staff, support staff. And it took Embiid to actually come out and say that he was going to pay before the owners actually realized, oh crap, like this is, this is not a good look if we're not still paying the staff during this period or at least avoiding any pay cuts. So yeah, Cubans at the top of the list. Uh, I think there's every chance that having a three-headed snake in entering the 2021-2022 season, if the man from Milwaukee decides to not sign that Supermax, which will be interesting to keep note over the next 10 to 13, 14 days, um, because he does have have right up until the start of the season before he needs to sign that deal. So yeah, time is is running out. Uh, For me... It's too obvious that Doncic wins the MVP, so I actually don't think he will. That's that's my hot take. I, I've just looked at the sports bet odds. He is currently the favorite at $4.50, um, closely wow. followed behind by Giannis at $5.50, AD at $8.50. I think anything could happen. There's obviously going to be... Well, the main thing that we've spoken about, which goes to show... Um, how important depth is. But for this season in particular, I mentioned it in a previous podcast, but 10 to 12 days, a guy's out if he gets Corona this season. So that's mm. potentially three or four games, depending on what your schedule is for that period of time. But that puts a heavy emphasis on making sure you go, you know, one through 12, one through 13, because there's going to be times where you really need to call on guys to stand up. And that's why rosters, I think their rosters for the NBA are 20. If I'm not wrong, I think they allowed them to sign six extra guys, just obviously foreshadowing the fact that, you know, guys are going to get positive COVID tests just through the fact of not being in a bubble. But the fact I don't have Doncic is probably my hot take as MVP. And I actually have a dark horse. I think Lillard could snatch it. I'm very high on Portland this year. I think Portland could go top four. Everything I'm seeing from them is very reminiscent of... um, you know, how they went a couple of post-seasons ago going to the Western Conference Finals, losing to Golden State. But they they got Covington. That's a huge, 
that's a huge addition for them. Nurkic is back healthy. He he showed some really positive signs in the bubble. Zach Collins can probably do a bit more this year. Who's to say? Anthony Simons can't do more this year. I want to see a bit more out of Gary Trent. He was obviously great in the bubble, but I think he can step up even more. You've still got Carmelo. Rodney Hood's coming back from an Achilles. I'm sure I'm missing out on a couple of other guys, but even CJ McCollum himself, they signed from the Miami, Derek Jones Jr. So, I mean, they're a team that goes one through 13, 14 deep as well. So I think even if they get hit with a few COVID tests, unless it's Lillard, there's nothing that should stop them from finishing top four. And I think if a team can finish top four, that's probably the baseline that you need to be if you're going to win an MVP. It's very rare that a guy gets MVP if your team's outside of the top four. It has to be extreme circumstances how do you feel about Doncic winning the MVP is it is it just in your mind it's it's his kind of to lose type thing I think the um the American media is in love with him in a lot of ways him being him being a you know a white player who's kind of risen up against he plays a different style to everyone else you know what I mean there's a big fairy tale about him coming from Europe and and such and which I love I reckon it's awesome but um you know when it comes to MVP you know like if the Lakers are the top seed, I don't know how LeBron could get snubbed again. Mm. Like um, he showed in the bubble just how dominant he is. Obviously, he has Davis with him producing at an all-NBA level. And um, Giannis will have something to prove again this year, as he always does. Like if he's able to add more of a jump shot to his game, there's no reason why he couldn't be an MVP again. The addition of Drew Holiday makes them better, I think. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what happens, I think, in the Eastern Conference, just because... I feel like that's a lot more winnable. Like you could be a dominant player in the Eastern Conference if you're a Jimmy Butler, if you're a Joel Embiid, if you're, I don't know, if you're a healthy Kevin Durant, you could be the best player in the Eastern Conference pretty quickly. Um, Western Conference, you know, it's just flooded with superstars, like the way that um, Jokic carries his team. I think Luca, he'll thrust himself right into that conversation. But the only way for him to pop over the top is really for us to be a one or two seed, I think for him to be in that top MVP discussion. And like you said, my Portland, I really like what they did as well. And my brother's diehard Portland fans. So we're having that conversation, which teams better pretty much every time we're together, which teams got better moves in the off season. Who's, who's better head to head Lillard or Doncic. And it's always a fun matchup the way he pulls up from everywhere and just yeah. shoots at a high percentage from way, way, way out. Like I think he's even taken a jump closer to a guy like Curry. I think, you know, you see him on the cover of NBA 2K. Like, he's got all the shoes. He's got all the bars. He's got all the albums. Like, Dame's one of my favorite guys in the league, for sure. And I'd love to see him win an MVP. I reckon that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, well, I think his odds at the moment are something like 18 bucks. So, if there's anyone out there that likes going a value pick, likes having a flutter, um, yeah, he, yeah. Is, he is 18, I'm, I'm not he gonna... is 18 at the moment. I'm not going to put pressure on Doncic to put money on him. No way. If he wins it, great. But I'd rather take the NBA championship or a finals berth. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that wraps things up. Looking at Dallas here. Dust, this has been awesome. I'm very jealous of you as a Mavericks fan going from uh, Dirk to Doncic. Just makes things not fair that, that you guys can go from one superstar European to another. Shout so out look- to Atlanta for that one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you to their front office and Travis Schlink for thinking that who what was his thinking? Trey Young would be the next Steph Curry, and that Kevin Herder would be the next Clay Thompson. Which look, who's to say it couldn't in five, ten years? But immediately, it's already looking like the worst trade in recent up history. For Clay. I, was, I was hoping to see something from Golden State this year, and yep. I think the dynasty's over, unfortunately. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a good that's a good point to mention. That sucks that that's sort of all taken place. So now look who's who's to say Dallas can't go on a run and win it all this year. It could be crazy. Crazy things have happened. 2020 is a wild year. 2020 is going to be a wild season. I'm super excited. Absolutely. You know, you're pumped. Darcy, Gotta believe. Gotta believe, 100%. Darcy, appreciate the time. No problem, Chris. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me.